0: power Okay friends, the story begins.
1: Right.
0: Let's do this. We are continuing the morning blessings. We're on the bottom of page 7. Last week we started the last paragraph and we made it halfway through.
1: Let's read through the first half.
0: Just to quickly recap what we've read last time. We won't go through all the insights. And then we'll discuss the second half today. We'll start from, and may it be your will. You see it? Bottom of page seven. And may it be your will, Lord our God, the God of our fathers, to accustom us to study your Torah and to make us cleave to your commandments. Do not bring us into sin, nor into transgression or iniquity, nor into temptation or scorn. And may the evil inclination not have mastery over us, keep us far from an evil person,
1: and an evil companion. Okay, so that's where we got up to thus far. This is all
0: preceded by the blessing right before it, where we say God open, removes sleep from our eyes, slumber from our eyelids. This um, spiritual integrity that we're asking God for, being accustomed to the Torah, connecting to the mitzvahs, um, not not uh, succumbing to sin and temptation, etc. All of this requires us having open eyes. Not sleeping. Not sleeping spiritually. It's so easy to sleep to be on sleep mode, spiritually, to become apathetic or, or not even apathetic, just not aware. That's what sleeping means. When you're sleeping, you're not cognitively aware. Right, We're delusional when we sleep. We imagine things. We see what we want to see. And what we're saying is that, no, we've woken up. We've said all the blessings until now. We've gone through all the meditations until now. God, open my eyes so I can actually be aware and I could actually experience this. And now all of these blessings, all of these prayers that we've said just now take on a
1: whole new meaning. When we're awake, when we have vitality, when we're alive. Let's take a look at the second half.
0: We're going to go through it line by line, and we'll discover some perspective. Make us cleave. We'll read the whole thing, and then we'll go over it line by line. Sounds good? Okay. Make us cleave to the good inclination and to the good deeds, and compel our inclination to be subservient to you. Grant us this day and every day grace, kindness, and mercy in your eyes and in the eyes of all those who behold us and bestow bountiful kindness upon us. Blessed are you, Lord, who bestows bountiful kindness upon his people Israel. Okay, let's go back to the middle. Make us cleave to the good inclination, right? Let's look at the Hebrew. The Hebrew is one, two, three, four, five lines down from that paragraph. It's the end of the line let us cleave the the to let us cleave to the good inclination what does that mean to cleave to the good inclination let us not only um, be influenced by the good inclination it's something we cleave to it's something we're comfortable with
1: something we yearn to be
0: yes, something we yearn to be in other words I like how you said that but I'll tell you why Going back to our, our Tanya knowledge, the definition of a tzaddik, a rasha, the opposite extreme, the Benini. The most basic definition that is consistent with our Tanya knowledge is what the Talmud says. A tzaddik is somebody who is influenced, advised solely by the yetzer tov, the good inclination. The rasha is influenced by the evil inclination. Right? And essentially, the Rasha is not a bad person per se, per se but somebody who doesn't have self control. The Bainini is influenced by both, yet he only listens to one. Right? The Bainini, though, this person who's challenged by both inclinations, should aspire for greatness, should aspire to be a tzaddik, should aspire to muster up enough self control. That the only relevant impulse is the good inclination, and that's why we say, "Let us cleave to this inclination." Let what was the word they said? Yearn, right? Let us let that be what's relevant to us. We the the Tanya begins quoting a line from the Talmud that says, "Before a person is born, an oath is administered to them: Be a tzaddik, don't be a rasha." Right, and the 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 question that the Tanya ventures to answer and unpack throughout its many chapters is: I could not be a Russia. I could muster self control. That's a realistic expectation. I could not listen to my evil inclination. But to tell me that I shouldn't have an evil inclination, all I should have is a good inclination. How is that realistic? You're telling me to be a tzaddik. So the way the Tanya translates the word beitadik, be not in the descriptive form, but be in the verb form. It's something you should be. It's something you should work on being. Something, you know. They said we're not human beings; we're human becomings. It's something we should. It's something we should work on being. It's something we should aspire to. And that's why we ask God every morning: Let us connect to the yetzertov, Tov, to the good inclination. Let us be more comfortable. I'm going to put this into 2022, I was going to say 2021, 2022 English. Let us be more comfortable with our impulse to good than we are our impulse to bad. Because it's something we cleave with. It's something we connect to. That's what we relate to. That's what's less foreign to us. By default, our, our evil inclination, our impulse to evil, our, our, our draw toward whatever makes us feel good, is not that foreign, (laughs) right? It just isn't. (laughs) But wait a minute. You're drawn toward religion. You're drawn toward spirituality. You're drawn toward God. You're drawn toward a deeper purpose and meaning in life that can seem foreign, that can seem,
1: and we're asking God, let this be something we're comfortable with. Okay, let's take a look at the next line. Um, Make us cleave to the good inclination and to good deeds.
0: Essentially, God, let us not only be passionate about doing good, because we are comfortable with it. We're comfortable with doing good. We're comfortable with a good inclination. That's our um, more comfortable impulse. Hopefully, the evil impulse is a little bit more foreign. But let us actually do good. (laughs) Let us not only be passionate about doing good, let us actually do good. The bottom line is action. Action really is the bottom line. It it really is the bottom line. Rabbi Raleigh says all the time that his parents told him growing up. He says, I don't care if you want to help the lady cross the street or not. Help oh, the lady cross the street, right? Or the, the other story is that there was a uh, a very charitable person several hundred years ago. He would give tons of charity. And he told Rabbi Shineer Zalman of the Adi, the author of the Tanya, he said, I'm I'm feeling disingenuous when I give the charity. I feel like I'm I have ulterior motives. I don't feel like it's my yates or tov, my good inclination telling me to do it. Okay, I'm doing a good thing, but but I feel like it's it's feeding into my ego. So he said, look, you might be disingenuous when you're giving it, but whoever's receiving it is receiving it genuinely. <laughs> right? Action action is the main thing. Action is, is the bottom line. So we say, yes, let us cleave to the etzer tov. But it's not enough to feel good about doing good. We have to actually do good. Right? Think about a marital relationship. It's not enough to love your spouse you have to actually show that you love your spouse (laughs) yeah you got to take out the garbage you gotta or or whatever it is action actually i know it's it's cliche but action speaks louder than words okay let's take it to the next level let's take it to the next step um and compel you guys see it and compel our inclination to be subservient to you so let us cleave to the good inclination, cleave to good deeds, and then compel our inclination to be subservient to you. Which means sometimes we feel that our service to God internally, our service to Judaism, our relationship with Judaism, sometimes it feels like it's an uphill battle where I'm just forcing, I don't know, do I really want this? I'm, Pushing myself because I know it's the right thing, but do I really want it? And we're asking God, I want to get to a point where I don't force myself. I don't have to, but I get to. So take a look at the Shema. You know, what? we have our sitters here. Why don't we just look at it?
1: Let's open up. Let's open up to the Shema. It's on page 42. There's a lot to talk about to the, uh, when it comes to the Shema, and we're gonna get there
0: one day. But until then, I'm gonna reference the Hebrew side because for for what we need right now, the English won't do justice. Although you can look at the English if you want. Page 42, the middle of the page, where we say, Shema Yisrael, hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord is one. That's a meditation. When we say here, we don't just mean you know, there's listening and there's hearing, you know, the, there, there's selective hearing and there's there's paying attention. That's really what Shema means. Apparently in sign language, when they say Shema, they use the sign for pay attention because they can't actually hear when they're using sign language, which is, I thought was interesting because that's essentially what the Shema means. It means Yisroel, the Jew, my internal soul, pay attention. The Lord is our God. He's a personal God. He's one. That's a meditation. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. He's not only one God, he's our king. What happens after you meditate on that? You should develop feelings for God, and that's the vi'ahafta right afterwards. As soon as you think about God, you feel him. That's why we say v'aha. I'm going to read it in the Hebrew. The, the first paragraph, ahafta es Hashem, Elokecha, love the Lord, your God. And how should you love him? B'chol avavachah with all of your heart. Now, grammatically, Levavacha means your heart. It should say Libcha. Levavacha, with two bets in the middle, implies two hearts, implies plural. It should say singular, right? And the evil. Exactly. The Talmud says, well, it's actually referring to both hearts with which we need to love God. We need to love God with our good inclination, which that part's easy, right? Our divine soul already loves God. It's, it's, he gets it. <laughs> but the animal soul and the evil inclination, it doesn't come natural. And the point in, of davening, the point of all of this is to train ourselves that our evil inclination should love God, which means in English, our drive You know, the reason why we call it an animal soul. You can train an animal. And if you train the animal properly, you're not going to have to fight it. You're not going to get resistance. You're going to get to ride it. And what happens when you ride the animal, you get to where you need to go with much more uh, kind of quicker, right? When we we could look at the animal soul as raw energy, that's mischanneled. If we learn to channel it properly, then we can use that passion for us rather than, to have, rather than having to fight that passion, rather than the passion of being against us. Which means in simple English, we can get to ourselves to a point in our relationship with God, in our relationship with Judaism, where I don't have to put on in, I don't have to go to shul, I don't have to study Torah, I don't have to keep kosher. I get to do all of this. I want to do it. And it's not just because I'm inspired and I, my soul gets it. Our Look back over here. We say compel our inclination to be subservient to you. Our inclination has been compelled. Our, our, our inclination has been totally uh, transformed. We can get ourselves to that point. Are we ever going to be perfect? Are we going to be a tzaddik? <laughs> Probably not. But can we get to that, in, to that point in certain areas? Certainly. There's a saying from Rabbi Shalom Dovber of Lubavitch. I think it was the one, he was the one who said it. After Yom Kippur, picture the inspiration you received on Yom Kippur. Right? The, the internal fight you've had on Yom Kippur. And afterwards, the day afterwards, he says, now our service to God begins. Okay, on Yom Kippur, you had to. <laughs> After Yom Kippur, we can get ourselves to a point where we get to. John.
1: So it says compel our inclination is the reason it says only inclination and not good or evil inclination is because it's referring to both.
0: That 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 would make sense. That would make sense. It's very new.
1: But it It, first stuck out to me. It's
0: a good point. I didn't think about that.
1: I didn't yeah, think I, about I, that because everywhere else it always either says good or evil inclination it, I, it, I in other words it doesn't say here.
0: it's a very good point good good it's a good I've been trained to say words, one or the other yeah it, do, it doesn't say which one hmm. implying that could be both and you might need you know when you're first starting off you you need your good inclination um centered properly you know you need your values clarified but afterwards You need to engage your evil inclination as well. Judaism should be meaningful to our animal soul. Now, it's a balance. On the one hand, you don't want to distort Judaism. Then it's not Judaism anymore. In other words, God gave us a Torah. God gave us, we have a relationship with God, a very unique relationship with God. On the one hand, let let me put it this way. Judaism has, and I should say, God in general has an occupational hazard. Because if we just accept it as is, then it's not relatable. And if we just, dis- if we um, alter it to make it relatable, then it's not. <laughs> it's <laughs> then it's not what we. It's not the original intent. So there's this balance between keeping unadulterating it. Keeping, keeping its
1: unadulterated version, yet at the same time making it meaningful to the animal soul. So it compels our inclination, whichever inclination. It's a very good
0: point, very good notice that it doesn't say which one. That's why, by the way, to look, take a look in this week's Torah portion. This week's Torah portion we haven't read it yet. It's going to take place on Friday, the Friday's portion. The event of Mount Sinai, the giving of the Torah. God conveying the Ten Commandments. This takes place two places in the Torah. It takes place in this week's Torah portion. It takes place later on in Deuteronomy. The Ten Commandments are repeated twice in the Torah. There are differences, minor differences. I shouldn't say minor, because, but there are differences, variations between the two texts. But the most fundamental of differences, why are they repeated twice? The first is God conveying it to the Jewish people. The second is Moses repeating it. And there's these both ends of the relationship. On the one hand, there's what God's original intent is, unadulterated. On the other hand, there's Moses conveying it. There's how a human being relates to it. And if we can balance that, if we can relate to the Torah in a very human way, in a way that's relevant to 2022. Yet at the same time, keep it in its unadulterated form. Only God could do that, by the way. Only God could be in two places at once, bridge heaven and earth at once. Only God can make heaven and earth kiss. That's the power of the Torah. And that's essentially what we're saying over here. Let our evil inclination appreciate it but not because it's been altered to what the evil inclination naturally uh, finds comfortable, but because evil inclination is a little bit more refined,
1: which is what prayer in general is supposed to is supposed to accomplish. Make sense? Any thoughts, comments? So the word, the word compel, are we saying we can't do it by ourselves, we need you to light the match? To start the fire, or are we saying, uh, just give me all the faculties that I would normally have, and I will light the match myself to to start the fire?
0: You you have to be given that match. So so the Talmud says, good point. The Talmud says that the Yetzer Hara, the evil inclination, is going to fight us every single day, and were it not for God's assistance, we never would be able to prevail. We can only succeed with God's assistance. Yet, when God assists, the assistance, as it says in Tanya, is referring to the soul's inspiration. The soul gets it. But it's only going to help if we get it, if we choose to actually internalize that. Because on the one hand, God is going to help us. On the other hand, we have free choice. Here's the match. Are you going to strike it or not? Right? Right? You know what's right in your heart of hearts because your soul gets it. Am I going to choose to internalize that or not? And if I choose to internalize that, if I choose to accept God's assistance, then it's very, (laughs) unfortunately, things become very black and white. I say unfortunately facetiously, but things become very black and white. Is it right or is it wrong? Is it godly? Is it not godly? If it's godly, I can do this, and I have the strength to do it.
1: It seems like the evil incl- inclination is like magnesium. It just bursts into flame by itself. And it, uh, it, it's much easier to get, get the flame going, and and we actually have to make a decision to make the other flame start.
0: Yeah. It. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And you know what the key to all of this is? One of the most the the key to this is not boot camp workshop style Judaism where you're there's like a pep talk and you're excited and inspired. It's like a new year's resolution, right? every year everybody makes new year's resolutions from january 1st to january 2nd so <laughs> what what what's the key to all of this it's not inspiration inspiration is good inspiration is you know you get that spark going but the key is consistency and consistency is is actually fundamental to judaism take a look at back in the text in the english it's five lines from the bottom
1: the line ends with grant us so we're back on page seven yeah still back on page seven yeah sorry yeah grant us this day and every day
0: take a look at the hebrew Hebrew is also four lines from the bottom, the last word of the line.
1: Utneinu hayom Give to us today and every day.
0: Now, I know that's taken out of context a little bit, but, but bear with me here. We want to take this with us, not just today because we're inspired and we're at a good class or it was a nice Yom Kippur or, or whatever it was we want this to be something that we do every day a lifestyle so here's the here's the, the fascinating midrash midrash is fascinating on two levels number 1 the midrash itself as you'll soon see is fascinating but number 2 it's a very unusual midrash because nobody knows where it is if you look in all of the midrashim you won't find this there's an old book written called the anyakov which is a collection of all the stories from the talmud and in its introduction it quotes this midrash so apparently he had this version of the midrash but where's that midrash actually found it's unknown but but anyways that's just parenthetical so here's what the midrash says there was a debate the rabbis were having a discussion which verse in the torah encapsulates the essence of judaism conveys what judaism is all about if you had to pick one verse in the entire torah and this verse is the whole this verse is what judaism is so one of them says okay you know this one right this is this is one of my favorite things just It's, it's, it's so
1: odd but yes
0: yes so one of them they say the shema right hero israel the lord is our god the lord is one Right, one God, monotheism. Abraham started mon- uh, Judaism, starting from Abraham, was founded on monotheism Abraham discovering God. The Shema is the first prayer a Jew learns. It's the last prayer a Jew says on his deathbed. It's fundamental to Judaism. Okay, the second one says, "Love your fellow." Right, the rest is commentary. And if you love God, then you'll love your fellow, and that's the whole Torah. The third quotes a verse, which you'll actually, it's a a biblical verse, but you'll
1: actually find it in your sitter. Um, On page 18, take a look on page 18. The last paragraph on the page, paragraph number three, count seven lines down.
0: It's in the middle of of the uh, the middle of the of the line. Right can, I, can, the I, Do it?
1: can I guess to see if I'm right? Yeah. Can I guess to see if I'm right? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, you shall offer one lamb in the morning and the other lamb toward evening.
0: You got it. You got it. So that opinion, the third opinion, says that verse encapsulates the whole of Judaism it's so random and by the way the, the midrash continues and says that all of the rabbis conceded to that third opinion yes that indeed is the essence of judaism <laughs> you shall offer one ram in the morning one one lamb in the morning one lamb in the evening why is that the essence of judaism this is referring to a very particular offering called the korban tamid the consistent offering there were different offerings in the temple for different occasions so a particular offering would have been brought, a whole service would have been done on Yom Kippur. Were it to be Rosh Chodesh, a different offering is done. And we mentioned this in the mosaf right? The specific offering for each day. Shabbos has a different offering. Passover, Sochus, every occasion has its own particular offering. But there was one offering that took place day in, day out. Twice a day. The, rant, the lamb in the morning, the lamb in the evening it was called the Tamid the consistent offering because no matter how busy or what type of day it was, this offering was brought day in day out. this that's the essence of Judaism. why? It all boils down to consistency. Judaism is not just a is not supposed to be short stints of inspiration from a sermon. it's supposed to be a lifestyle. It's supposed to be something we're comfortable with as a lifestyle. Because if we're comfortable with Judaism, we're essentially comfortable with God, His values. So we're saying God, this idea that we're cleaving to the Yetzer Tov, to the good inclination. The fact that we're doing good deeds, the fact that we want to do this, we've our, our inclinations. Let's see what I did there, John? Our inclinations, right? Are uh, are, are subservient. Which means I don't just want, I don't just have to do this. I want to do this. God, let this be a lifestyle day in, day out. Because it's a relationship. It's not just a, it, it's not just a one-time thing. Or a fallback of when I'm in crisis mode or when I'm feeling inspired or whatever it is. It's, it's just part of my normal life just part of my normal life. Imagine if our Jewish observance was just so normal and all the other Mishagas was just so foreign to us. (laughs) Right? Rev. Levi Yitzchak of Barditchev used to say that God, if if you would have put lust, anger, temptation, hatred, all these negative traits in a book and we had to, to study about them, and in front of our eyes, we saw love, we saw God, we saw purpose, we saw meaning, we saw what life was really about right in front of our eyes. It would have been much easier. That would have been. But God, you put it the other way. Temptation is right in front of our eyes. And all the holy stuff is in a book. It's a philosophical content that we learn about. But what we're saying here in our prayer to God every morning, God, let this become a lifestyle. Let us not just stay on the shelf. Let us, take us with, let us take this with us day in, day out. Let's read the next line. I'm going to read again from grant us on this day. It's one, two, three, four, five, back on page seven, five lines from the bottom of the page. Grant us this day and every day. uh, Grace, kindness, and mercy. In the eyes of all... Who behold us? Sorry, in your eyes and in the eyes of all who behold us. Give us kindness, that which is kind in your eyes, and let us be let there be kindness on all those who behold us. It's I think it's unusual in Judaism for us to be concerned of the eyes of our beholders.
1: I was just thinking the same thing. But like why to... is that why is that part of this?
0: It's it's a funny thing, since when do we care about what other people think? Now, by by, by natural by nature, don't get me wrong, by nature we we might instinctively f- care about what other people think. But in terms of a value, a Jewish value, since when do we care about what other people think?
1: You know, I, I suppose this could be um, you know go along the lines of like we the Jewish people are supposed to be a light, a lamp lighter to the nations, right? And so We should care about how others are perceiving what we say, what we do, how we act, uh, because we're supposed to be putting forth towards uh, all this goodness for the world.
0: Spot on, spot on, spot on. In other words, all these prayers that we're asking that our Yetzir Tov is what becomes comfortable doing all these good deeds, we're an engaged, comfortable Jew, we're comfortable with ourselves as a Jew, which is a beautiful thing totally comfortable with my Judaism. That's essentially what we're praying for. Now we're saying, God, let other people be comfortable with our Judaism as well. Because we're supposed to be an example. And we're supposed to make what's called the Kiddush Hashem. We're supposed to sanctify God's name. And when when, when we can engage in our Jewish observance and our fellow brethren, Don't resent it, but respect it. That's really what we're all about. And again, it's that balance because you don't want to water it down either. You don't want to adulterate it either. You want unadulterated truth because it's a relationship. On the other hand, you don't want to rub in people's face and and, and get people to resent it. So we're asking God, let us have this truth, this meaningful, purposeful life an unadulterated version of it in its purest form. And let it be kind in your eyes. You should accept it, God. That's the most important. But let it be favorable in the eyes of, of our beholders as well. Let us be lamplighters. That's what we're all about. That's the bottom line. Not that Judaism, God forbid, is a show for other people. But let them catch on. Let them appreciate the meaning. Let them feel the love. And then we conclude, the third to last line, end of the line, we say, bestow bountiful kindness upon us. Okay. Translations are are kind of funny. I'm I'm, going to go back to the Hebrew, the second to last line. Second word. Do you see it? I'm going to translate it literally. Vesigmeleinu. Uh, bestow upon us chasadim kindness tovim. What does tov mean?
1: Good.
0: Good. Good kindness. God give us good kindness. What does good kindness mean? As opposed to not. Good it's the kindness. best kind. It's best the kind, best right? Kind. <laughs> what What does good kindness mean?
1: It means bountiful kindness.
0: <laughs> right. There. There is kindness that isn't perceived as good. Sometimes you have to be kind, but it's not necessarily good, at least perceptually, right? Sometimes you have to discipline your child. And when you discipline your child, when it's warranted, you're being very kind to them. When you say no to your child because they're going to do something that's harmful or destructive, you're being kind to them. You're teaching them structure teaching them that there's right you're teaching them that there's wrong you're teaching them that there's appropriate and inappropriate you're being kind but is that good is it comfortable is it appreciated right in other words god can be honest with us or he could be nice to us and sometimes if things are aligned him being honest is, is also perceived as nice to us we want the kindness that he's going to give us uh to be something that is good, that we perceive as good. That's why we, you know, in Rosh Hashanah, we wish, wish each other a happy and sweet new year, right? Or a good, when in Hebrew, we say in English, happy. But again, let's stick to the translation, that the original Hebrew, "shana Tova, a good year and a sweet year. Sometimes what's good isn't sweet. Isn't, it, you know, the strings that are kind. You know, sometimes you need tough love and we're asking that God give us love, but we don't want it to be tough love. We want it to be, we want to be able to appreciate it on our own human level, in our own human way. Okay, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it.